Hey, grown-ups! Eating better is easy with Factors' delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. We're a vegetarian household over here, and there were tons of delicious options over at Factor. I highly recommend. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. What are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Head to factormeals.com slash tales50, T-A-L-E-S 50, and use code tales50 to get 50% off. That's code tales50 at factormeals.com slash tales50 to get 50% off. Hey grown-ups, if you could imagine the perfect education for your tailblazer, what would it look like? You might say hands-on learning, small class sizes, deep reading, open discussion, and for many of us, that list includes a personal one-on-one tutor. That kind of personal attention can accelerate their grasp of difficult concepts. The problem is, tutors can be astronomically expensive, and tutor quality can vary widely. That's where Synthesis Tutor comes in. It's an educational AI that can bring your student from an average to exceptional grasp of mathematics. The tutor works like a human tutor would, slowing down in areas where they're struggling and speeding up when they're gaining momentum. Except, unlike a traditional tutor, Synthesis Tutor is always available and is just $29 a month. Visit synthesis.com slash girltales to get 10% off and begin learning with Synthesis Tutor today. Hey grown-ups, Women's History Month is sneaking up on us and we want you and your tailblazers to join in the celebration of the amazing women who have broken barriers, shattered glass ceilings, and made history. But hey, we're not just looking back, we're also cheering on the future history makers, our very own tailblazers. Here's how you can join in on the celebrating. Grab your phone or tablet and record a quick 10 seconds or less of an audio message. Your tailblazer can tell us about a woman that they admire who changed history. Or you, the grown-up, can give the tailblazer an empowering message about how they will change history. We'll feature these recordings on our Girl Tales episodes all through March. This opportunity is available to our awesome Patreon members on Team Alba or higher. You'll find the instructions on how to send us your recording on our Patreon page. Happy Almost Women's History Month. Hey, Tailblazers. I'm Rebecca Cunningham, and this is Girl Tales a kid's podcast of feminist stories for a new generation. Before we get started, I'd like to wish a very happy birthday to Ramona Merritt in Austin, Texas, and Martha May. I'd also like to send some very special shout-outs to Eloise Clara, Claire, and Sohana and Suraya. Grownups, if you would like to hear your child's name at the top of our next tale, head to patreon.com slash girltales and donate today. 
Now on to our episode. This is You Can La Own. Enjoy. I'd like to tell you about a friend of mine. Her name is Lola Laon, which means Grandma Laon in Tagalog, a language of the Philippines, which is a country made of thousands of islands. When Lola Laon was little, she lived in the Philippines with her mom and her dad, her nanay and tatay, along a hillside of green. Her parents owned a fruit stand, and it was up to Laon to gather the coconut, jackfruit, and bananas. And everybody knew the best bananas were on the nearby volcano, Mount Kan Laon. Laon was named after the same great goddess the volcano was named after, and she and the goddess had a special relationship. The goddess would show Laon how to traverse the volcano, usually through an animal sound or the gurgling of a stream. One day, though, Laon's parents told her they were all leaving for another place, far, far away. A country not made of thousands of islands, but one of thousands of different landscapes bound together, called the United States of America. Sadly, just before they left, Laon became very sick. After her parents took care of her, she got better, or... So she thought. On her last trip up the volcano to say goodbye, Laon quickly found the journey made her incredibly tired and heavy. Like when you're feverish and it's hard to move and even think. Nanai and Tatai were with her and caught her before she fell to the ground. We love you, Laon, but you cannot push yourself right now, her Nanai said. You must rest your body and heal. I have to... to get up to the top. I could do it before. And I have to... now... to... to say goodbye. Her tatai smiled and wiped the sweat from her forehead. You can't go up as far up as you usually go, but we can say goodbye from here. And so Laon and her nanai and tatai sat and said goodbye to the volcano and to the thousands of islands of the Philippines and to their home. Will she be mad at me for leaving? The goddess. Laon asked her parents, the sadness aching in her chest. No. Her nanai turned to her. Because she'll always be with you, wherever you go. Nanai pulled Laon into a hug, and Tatai pulled them both into his arms. Little Laon wanted to hold onto her parents' words, but she had this strange cold feeling that she couldn't quite place and... Then, in a whirlwind of travel and moving and anxiety and excitement, Laon was in the United States of America. In freshwater, to be exact. She was scared and tired from the journey, but she was also excited to be here and ready to explore this new place. Nanai, Tatai, I'd like to go out and check out the town, Laon said, putting together a backpack to take with her. To see what fruits they have, what trees, and if there's a volcano. Tatai frowned. It looked like he was about to speak, but 
Nanai jumped in. Maybe. Maybe there are all those things here. Go, have fun. Come back and tell us what treasures you've found. If you get tired, come back home. You cannot walk so far away that you fall and we cannot find you. Tatai said firmly. Laon wondered about Tatai's frown for a moment, but then waved goodbye to her parents and set off. Laon ventured around freshwater and came across a tree with a short gray-brown trunk and bright green leaves. See? There are trees! She exclaimed as she reached up for the fruit. Though these are different from the ones back home. Indeed, the fruit on this tree was not a coconut or a jackfruit or a banana. It was bright green and hard and sweet, with little seeds in the center and a little stem poking out of the top. She put two more into her backpack to share with her parents, but she was a little sad that the fruit was not a familiar one. No matter, though, surely there would be other things here that would be like at home. But as Laon traversed through the town, she only felt things were stranger and stranger. Yes, there are trees and fruits and fruit stands, but the trees are a different shape and the fruits have different tastes and the fruit stands are behind glass windows. (sighs) She muttered to herself. She was becoming tired and there was a heavy pain in her legs but she had to keep going. I must find something that's like home. There has to be something. As Laon pushed on, people glanced curiously in her direction. She could not understand their words, though. Even talking is different here, she cried. Tears started to fill her eyes until she couldn't see. She was just walking, and the walking became harder and harder. Harder, maybe, because she was walking uphill, but also harder because of her illness. It was all so much, and Laon finally let herself fall to the ground and breathe. Tatai's frown came back to mind. He knew. Both Tatai and Nanai knew this place would be different, but they thought she couldn't handle the truth. And maybe she couldn't. I want my familiar back. I want my old life back. I want my volcano back. Laon whispered, and the ground rumbled beneath her. She opened her eyes, blinking away the bright dots and the dizziness, and looked out across all of freshwater. She was at the top of a hill overlooking the town. It was almost like her volcano, with the rumbling, but it was smaller, and the ground felt different. And it really wasn't the same after all. It was in that moment of sadness that Laon spotted someone else on the hill, another girl around her age, who had been staring off in the opposite direction. The girl started to walk over to Laon, and though Laon wanted to run, she could not. Her legs were so heavy and she was so tired and dizzy. The girl came over and sat with her, speaking in that other language the freshwater folks were using. Laon couldn't respond, just felt more and more sour by the second. Then the girl paused, thinking, and the words changed. 
Laon could still not understand them. But the girl saw this too and changed the words again. Until finally... Do you know what I'm saying now? Yes. Yes, I do. Oh, great. You speak Hiligaynon. You speak Hiligaynon? Mm-hmm. I learned it from my mama. She's from outside of Bacolod. Wow, wow, wow. You are the first best thing about this place. Laon blurted, her face flushed with embarrassment. That's incredibly sweet, and I'm honored, the girl said, smiling. I'm Helena, from Riverton. My mama's the mayor, and my papa runs the bookstore. And she pointed down where she had been looking earlier. It was a town that must have been similar to Freshwater at some point. But now, it seemed to be sucked of life and covered in a dense smog that was occasionally broken by bursts of flame coming from factories with big pipes and stacks. What's wrong with it, your town? Helena's smile flipped quickly into a deep frown. Dragon Corp, she explained to Laon. They came offering to help the town get back on its feet, said that the people would be richer, happier, and then they built all kinds of machines and factories, which started expelling all kinds of terrible things into the air and the water. And now all of the people of the town have to work for Dragon Corp and its terrible boss, Mr. C.E. Oh, to be able to stay here because the dragon owns and runs almost everything. And now it's... Laon couldn't find the words for the destruction. A wasteland her new friend said softly. My sister, she's six, and she has to use an inhaler every day. She wasn't always like this. In the before, she could breathe better. And then one day it just... It changed. Yeah, and there wasn't anything I could do. Yeah. Laon could definitely relate, she thought. She didn't used to feel like her legs were lead. She didn't used to feel this tired and dizzy. She didn't used to miss home. Do you wish for a way to go back to the before? I don't think there is going back, but I want to stop it for the next kid. And Laon thought on this deeply as Helena helped her walk home. That night, Laon dreamt of a dragon perched on her Mount Can Laon of it breathing fire and scaring the villagers below. She dreamt of a hero who had the power to summon the ants and the bees and the eagles to help take down the dragon. And then she woke up, and she was just Laon, not a hero of any sort, she thought bitterly. Over the next several weeks, Laon went back to the hill and to Helena. Each time she went, she pushed herself to try to be her before-time self, but it only seemed to make her feel worse. Helena would tell her to rest, just like her parents, but Laon had to do more. After all, she and Helena had to do something to get rid of Dragon Corp. Who's causing asthma in kids? polluting the water? First, they tried telling the adults in Freshwater about what was happening just over the hill, 
through the power of what Helena called cheer, though it didn't seem to be all that cheerful to Laon. Helena would yell something in English about the terrors happening in Riverton, and Laon would call back, Dragon Corp. The adults would nod and say, good job, kids, keep it up, and continue on with their work days. So when that didn't work, they drew angry dragons with big red X's over them, folded them into paper airplanes, and flew them all over, even into the Dragon Corp buildings in Riverton. But a Dragon Corp employee kept finding them and throwing them away. So when that didn't work, they tried throwing apples, the name of that new fruit, into the stacks when no one was looking. It didn't do much, but it did smell like apple pie, Helena said. Each day, the two girls tried harder and harder, and each day, Dragon Corp, with its smog and fire, ate through Riverton and crept closer and closer to their hill. The next day, when Laon came to the base of the hill, she saw a large path of broken earth and machinery and a chain-link fence surrounding the top of the hill and the beginnings of a gray, concrete building. The new Dragon Corp headquarters. No, they've taken the hill. They'll be to Nana and Tatai and Freshwater in no time. Laon and Helena met stealthily at the fence line and sat together under a nearby tree that obscured them from Dragon Corp's view. Laon worried about how Dragon Corp was on the way to Freshwater, which still wasn't quite home but was a home for many people and a place she was slowly understanding and maybe even starting to like. Laon. Helena broke her out of her thoughts. I'm sorry. I can't keep doing this. What? But why? Laon asked, bewildered. My parents say it's hopeless, that the dragon has its claws in too deep, and I need to stop spending my time on this and spend more time helping my dad in the bookshop. She paused, frowning. I wanted to say goodbye and tell you that you've been a great friend. Helena found a patch of uprooted earth and started crafting two bracelets of daisies. She slipped one on Laon's wrist and put the other on her own. To remind us of our time here, up and away from it all, and to take a piece of the hill with us, so that it's not forgotten when the dragon fully nests. Helena squeezed Laon's hand. I have to go now, she said, her voice cracking a bit. But then she stepped away and thrust up her fist with the bracelet of flowers in a burst of positivity, of power, and strode down the side of the hill to Riverton. Laon wanted to say something, but she just couldn't find the words. Something seemed to be bursting inside of Laon, and she needed to act, to move, to do something with her hands, her body, to feel the energy that she'd been missing since her illness, to run, to jump, to climb. Climb! I'll climb this fence and get into the dragon's headquarters and... 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 And Laon tried to climb the fence to rip down the dragon herself. But her breath 
started to quicken, and she was seeing spots and feeling dizzy. She fell to the ground, her legs like weights. She couldn't speak, couldn't climb the fence, couldn't save anyone from the dragon, couldn't stop her family from leaving home, couldn't go back to the before when she was healthy and happy and helpful. It was then lying on the broken earth of the hill, her limbs heavy, breath short, and head buzzing, that Laon remembered her dream, the one about the dragon on her volcano, and the ants, and the bees, and the eagles, and the hero. It was then that Laon remembered about the goddess and how she would talk with her through nature, through the gurgle of the stream or the swaying of branches or the rumble of the earth. It was then that Laon remembered what her parents told her about the goddess, that she would always be with her wherever she went. What Dragon Corps is doing is hurting the people of Riverton, and they must stop, she said, looking out at Riverton and at Dragon Corp, still expelling its smog and fire. You won't hurt anyone anymore. She turned and glared at the monstrous cement building on the hill. And so, Laon gripping the flower bracelet, thrust her fist into the air and tried to reach out to the goddess to rumble the earth or make the streams gurgle and to hear something, anything, in return. But all she could hear was the chugging of machinery, the clinking of the chain-link fence in the breeze, and the voices of Dragon Corp employees finally coming her way. She couldn't hear the ants marching or the eagles swooping or the bees buzzing. She couldn't hear them until, with a rumble of the earth, she opened her eyes and she saw the ants marching in massive armies and covering the pipes and machines, both down in Riverton and up on the hill. The Dragon Corp employees quickly stopped production, unsure what to do. She watched as they bolted inside the headquarters to get their boss. Then the eagles swooped toward the hill and into Riverton like blasts of fierce wind, and they ripped into the machinery, toppled the fences, and clogged the pipes with branches and leaves. (laughs) Then the bees came in like large clouds over her, and when Mr. CEO ran out, yelling at his employees, Laon pointed at him and snarled, Go away! And he was chased away by the buzzing storm of bees. Laon watched as these forces of nature swept through all the buildings that made up Dragon Corp, and she let out a fierce cry up to the sky, up to the goddess. She wanted to use all of the energy she had left to set off an explosion of power and destroy Dragon Corp completely. But the breeze stroked her face and tickled the bracelet around her wrist and the warmth from the sun reminded her of her parents and their kindness, and their telling her to rest. And so she sat and rested, and in that rest, she found what she truly wanted was to use some of her energy for herself, to see this through without feeling sick, and to use some of it to gently sweep the fire away. 
a cleansing, healing pulse. And so it started to rain, soft, a mist at first, and then a gentle patter. But it was enough, enough to hear the creaks and groans of failing machines, enough to put out the fire, enough to loosen the broken earth and extract the metal fences and pipes. She could see the peoples of Riverton and Freshwater collecting the material, keeping it away from the river, out of the earth. Then Laon walked slowly home at her new pace, her own pace, and she didn't feel like she was going to collapse. Not once. Her parents were so happy to see her, though maybe a bit confused and worried. Why are you all wet and muddy, baby? Are you okay? Nanai asked. You were right, Laon smiled. The goddess is always with me. Her parents smiled with her and started to towel her off, ushering her to sit to dry her themselves. She put a hand on theirs to stop them. Sometimes I need help, but I want you to know that I can do things. I can do powerful things. I just have a new way of doing them. And even if they did not completely understand, they heard her. Yes, Laon. You certainly can. And I want to make a space where other kids can learn that about themselves, too. And so the next day, her parents went with Laon to the hill, where they met with Helena and her sister and parents. And they worked with all the people of Riverton and Freshwater to commemorate the hill as a special place for kids to make friends. A place that respected the hill and the ants, the bees and the eagles, and taught the children about caring for these creatures and ecosystems. A place for kids to breathe and rest and play and be who they are as they are. And they would call it Club Can Laon. From her spot on the hill, Laon looked down at Riverton and then down at Freshwater with all its different fruits and trees and talking and said, You can be my also home. And Nanai and Tatai shared a smile and held Laon close. As the sun set, filling the sky with a clash of different colors that fit in just the right way. She and Helena live in Club Canlaon today. And those flower bracelets? Well, some say they were preserved by the goddess and remain as fresh as the day they were made. I'm heading there now, in fact, to meet with some friends. Want to come join me and see? That was You Can La Own, written by Caitlin Kenny, produced by Megan Bagala, performed by Marissa Carpio, Jensen Olaya, Billy Soko, and me, Rebecca Cunningham. Executive produced by me, Rebecca Cunningham. Girl Tales is a Cordelia Studios production. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. And grown-ups, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you for listening, and remember, I believe in you. <laughs>